Welcome to the Breathful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're talking about the microbiome and your baby's immune system. How your baby is born will determine what microorganisms get where, when. It's a beautifully orchestrated process with lifelong implications for your baby's health. So what if you have a cesarean, take antibiotics, or are not able to breastfeed? Tony Harmon tells us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their in-depth breastfeeding program, filled with videos of actual mothers in real-life situations addressing the most common breastfeeding issues so you can be ready when baby arrives. If you plan to breastfeed, you should prepare to breastfeed. Learn more at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty mamas and mamas-to-be and mighty dads and dads-to-be. As always, thank you so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. It really makes me happy to read the reviews that you leave me on iTunes, which, by the way, help get the show in front of more mamas and dads because of iTunes ranking algorithms and other things I don't quite understand. But if you like what you hear, then consider leaving a review like the one that Dula Carey left recently saying, quote, Thank you so much, Adriana, for this wonderful and informative podcast podcast. I listen every week and always learn something new. I recommend your podcast to all of my clients and fellow doulas. End quote. Or how about this one from CC Childbirth Educator saying, quote, I love this podcast. Thank you so much for the incredible amount of work that I know must go into it. As a childbirth educator, I love listening to these for inspiration and sharing them with my students, especially when there's a topic I don't have time for in class. You are so great, Adriana. I listen to many birth podcasts, and this is my new favorite. End quote. Yay. I'm so happy that you guys are enjoying the podcast so, much, so, so much and that it's become your favorite. Thank you, Carrie and Cece, for those lovely comments. And if, like Carrie or Cece, you are a doula or childbirth educator who's finding the podcast an incredible and invaluable resource, then please feel free to say thanks and help me keep doing this podcast by becoming a patron of the show. Think of it as like buying me a virtual cup of tea. You can go to patreon.com slash birthful to learn more. Pledges there start at $1 per month. That is only a quarter per episode, which is a lot less than a peanut ball or a cloth pelvis. So remember, to learn all the fabulous ways you, oh listener, can support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash birthful. Seriously, please go check it out today. Thank you oh so very, very much. All right. My guest today is Tony Harmon, who is a documentary film ma filmmaker turned author. Tony has spent the past 20 years producing and directing films, including the documentaries Doula, Freedom for Birth, and the multi-award winning documentary Microbirth. Her extensive research from microbirth ignited a passion for the microbiome, resulting in Tony co-authoring Your Baby's Microbiome, which is a book, with her partner Alex Wakeford. Tony, welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. I'm excited to be here. I, I, it's one of my favorite topics and, I, and I, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. So yeah, it really has become your passion. Um, I, you know, I'm a fan of all your films and, and of the book now. And I have seen Doula and Freedom for Birth and Microbirth a couple of times. And then, you know, it really seemed like this particular topic got your juices going like this was you as you mentioned it on, on in the book that this is you found your diamond can you speak a little bit about that about your journey of how you got in, interested in the microbiome well that's the thing because I didn't set out to make a film about bacteria in birth and breastfeeding um I was actually well we'd just finished our first feature film and it just been picked up by Hollywood studio so um I thought I was I was off to Hollywood um and then I was pregnant which is a fantastic wonderful thing um and so um I had a baby and um my I had this this my vision of of uh the birth as uh, candles and music and uh, no interventions that went out the window and ended up having an emergency c-section um and my daughter being given formula within about an hour of her birth for the sake of the baby they kept telling me um 
and it, so I so I was left with all these questions. What what happened? What happened from my kind of my birth plan, which was you know candles and soft light and um, no medical medical interventions, and to to the most medical birth I had. So um, as a filmmaker, um, my answer to those questions was to start making films. So I made a, a film about doulas called uh, Doula. Um, and at the premiere, actually, the, of the film, of, of our doula film, um, someone came up to me and said, well, you should really make a film about human rights and childbirth. So I was like, OK. So then I made a film, Freedom for Birth. And uh, I just finished Freedom for Birth. And um, uh, actually, it was um, someone who's in microbirth, Professor Hannah Darlin. Um, she said, oh, you should uh, look at the, the, the science of um, childbirth and particularly epigenetics and um, the microbiome. And so we started looking into it and it was it, it was our diamond. It was just this, this suddenly you start finding out about these amazing science and it, it, it connects everything together. It connects natural physiological birth and, and why we've always, you know, we've always known as humans that giving birth naturally is probably best for your baby um, and feeding your baby um, with breast milk is probably really good for your baby so it connects that and it connects the kind of it, my my thing is is um informed choice that parents should have full informed choice um and that's all part of the kind of freedom for birth film so it connects you know so it connects natural birth it connects um human rights and full informed choice and then it, then it just connects this most amazing science, which is the the science of the microbiome and the infant microbiome. Um, and so, so it suddenly because it kind of connects everything together, and the and it's like peeling back layers of an onion. The more you discover about the importance of these microbes during sort of birth and breastfeeding, the more there is to discover. Um, and there's new papers coming out each day, and it's 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 like we've got this we've got this puzzle in front of us and we've got all these pieces of the puzzle. We haven't got all the pieces yet, but we've got the picture that is forming is a, gives a really strong indication that the, what's best for the baby is vaginal birth where possible um, and skin to skin and breastfeeding for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And before we get into the why of all that, I, I want to touch upon something that you mentioned that's really important to me as well about informed choices and, yeah. you know, mentioning the caveat that along this talk that we're going to have, people might have feelings if they've had a cesarean or if they haven't ha been able to, you know, breastfeed or have had to formula feed Feelings might come up of of guilt or yeah, and we're not trying to make anybody feel guilty and we're not trying to judge anybody. It's not about that. It's about, you know, making things better for future babies or future generation, future moms, because we do what we can with the knowledge that we have when we have it. So before we didn't have this knowledge. Now that we do, it's that I know you're passionate about this, like having a big megaphone and letting everyone know that, hey, this there's an additional layer to why you might want to pay attention to how your baby is born or figure out if you can make breastfeeding happen because you can be affecting baby's health your child's health and your granddaughter's health and, and grandchild children's health um, and generations to come. So I think, I think that's really important. I mean, um, this is, you know, so I, I you know, I, I formula, I, well, I supplemented, I had breastfeeding and then I supplemented with formula. I mean, I struggled to breastfeed. I struggled to exclusively breastfeed and I found it really difficult. And I had an, uh, my baby by um, emergency C-section and thank goodness. I mean, it was, you know, that it was life-saving and all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and so it is, so I acknowledge that this is very sensitive for some people and it touches buttons and, and some people get really cross and, and or they feel really upset that they didn't know this. But actually, you can only make choices. You can only have full informed choice. If you have full informed choice, if you're made aware of, of what information is available. And I see my role as a filmmaker and now as an author as being the the kind of conduit from the from the upper echelons of of scientists from the from the world of academia and you've got all these hundreds of papers flying about but those hundreds of papers don't reach your average mum kind of at sitting at home there's it's kind of it's written in such a difficult language to translate so that's how i see my role is kind of 
as going between the scientists and normal people like me. Mm-hmm. So if I can understand it, that's the, that's the benchmark. If I can understand the science and put it in a way that I can understand it, I'm hoping that other people will. And, and then, and by being aware of this new science, then it's kind of informing choice. It's informing, it's empowering mothers because you've, you can only, you can only act if you've got the information available to you. So it's, this is the kind of making the information available to you. Hmm. But it is sensitive and it is, I mean, you know, sometimes we get cross emails from people um, saying, why do you do this? Why do you, why do you make me feel guilty? And it's like, I don't mean to you for you to feel guilty. Guilt is something which um, if you've done something wrong, then you've maybe you've done, maybe you feel guilty. But this isn't, you know, how what's happened in the past. You might feel regret for something that happened, but it's, you're not wrong. You know, so everybody has different paths and everybody has different um, routes to motherhood. Yeah. And if you and if you have all the information available and this exciting new science to support your choices, then great. Mm-hmm. No, and and the same thing. I mean, I I did have a vaginal birth, but I was strep B positive, so I got antibiotics. You know, several doses for when my daughter was born, and then had trouble breastfeeding, and did have to supplement with, or ended up supplementing with formula. So I understand the having that things don't always go perfectly as you planned, and with the candles and the non-interventions, and that you have to adjust, but. I also appreciate having this new level, new opening of new science and, and, and new effects of how interventions during birth can affect more than just the birth so that then you might make different choices, as you were mentioning. I mean, that's, I mean my, my hope is that, um, you know, so this information, by the time my daughter has children of her own, this will be common knowledge. This will be just every every everybody will know this. So I've got about mm, maybe 10, 15 years to kind of <laughs> revolutionize healthcare. Yeah. And <laughs> you're on your way. You're on your way. So Tony, let's start with the right with the beginning. Like for listeners who don't know yet what the microbiome is, can you give a quick explanation? Okay, this is this is amazing. This is kind of um it's it's paradigm shifting just when you start to realize okay, so your body, my body, everybody's body is made up of trillions of human cells. Okay, you've known that. You've got you've done biology lessons. You know that your body's made of cells, all different types of cells. Okay, so alongside those human cells are trillions of microorganisms. And uh, so that's bacteria, fungi, viruses, protozoa, archaea. Um, all those microbes um, live on and in your body and they work with your human cells. And so um, they help with metabolism, with digestion, with vitamin production. Um, they help with the immune system. So they're integral and they also help with your, with your brain, with um, the, the brain, the gut brain axis. Um, there's 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 evidence to suggest that that your microbes could even alter your mood um, and your even your personality. So, okay, so so your microbes are part of you, and um, so there's just trillions, trillions of microbes, trillions of human cells working together as one human superorganism. So, but the thing is, um, you don't, you don't, you're not born, and and that those trillions of microorganisms are called your microbiome. So it's your human microbiome. And there's a, a microbiome of soil. There's a microbiome of, um, you know, of earth. There's um, of trees. Of of everything you can think of has their their own bacterial ecosystem. So you're not born with a complete um, bacterial ecosystem. What happens is that um, during pregnancy, um, the baby develops inside the, the mother's womb and is mostly protected from the world of bacteria. Um, and it's only um, and it's only kind of when the mother's waters break, that's the moment. So when the waters break, that's the amniotic membranes, that's the, the, the membranes that protect the baby. And when they break, that's the moment when the baby is first exposed to the world of microbes, the world in which we live, the world of, of bacteria. And those bacteria flood over the baby 
So um, they enter the, the bacteria into the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth. Some of those bacteria swallowed. And um, up till then, the, the baby's microbiome is near, has been, uh, because the baby's developed in a near sterile environment. This is the first main seeding event um, for founding the baby's microbiome. And then um, with breast milk, breast milk provides the sugars that feed um, the microbes that arrive from the mother. And, it's, and, and that's the thing. That's the key. One message takeaway. It's, it's about the mother's microbes transferring to the baby. So the mother's um, uh, vaginal microbes, the mother's uh, gut microbes, the, uh, the microbes within breast milk. So they're the they're the the microbes, the microorganisms, the baby's supposed to have first. Um, and the, there's sugar, special sugars within breast milk, and they feed those the mother's microbes and in, encourage those ones to, to thrive and grow and to train the immune system. So it's an amazing like, seed and feed process. So, uh, and, it's, and that's what happens. Uh, and we've evolved to be like this. This is how we've evolved over thousands and millions and billions of years. So we've evolved to give birth with bacteria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no. And one of the things that I find fascinating, like when you break down the feed and seed, and, and I hope that we do that a little bit of uh, the steps through it, that, you know, you mentioned the mom's v- vaginal bacteria and her gut bacteria and then the breastfeeding bacteria. And one of the things that as a breast doula, I do hear moms tell me this all the time. They're, one of the concerns is I'm going to poop when I give birth. And that's a problem. You know, there's there's like shame and, and all these feelings around it. But it was such a beautiful aha moment reading through your book that that's actually a, a good thing. Can you go into that a little? Uh, honestly, I, I, I want to celebrate poo, uh, especially mum's pooing during during the birth process. It's supposed to happen. The baby. I mean, so as the as the baby come, you're a doula, so you, you get this as the baby comes out of the mother's vagina, the baby's supposed to get to come into contact with the mother's fecal matter, with the mother's poo. Um, and that exposure, that exposure to the mother's poo um that's a really, really good thing. That's that's the the baby being exposed to the mother's gut microbes. So there's the there's it. What's important is the exposure to the mother's vaginal microbes. So the the microbes the baby's going to get within the birth canal. So the baby sits and you know as the baby comes out through the birth canal, the baby acquires the mother's vaginal microbes. Then on the way out, the baby's supposed to get the mother's gut microbes from the poo. So. So poo needs to be celebrated. I mean, I know in hospitals right now, poo is wiped away instantly. Or um, if a if a mum gives birth in hospital or at home, the midwives will straight away wipe it away and consider it dirty. And it's considered dirty if if the mum is covered in poo. But actually, that's brilliant because the more poo and 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 amniotic waters, the the messier the messier the birth, the better the exposure. It, the microbial exposures the baby will will acquire. Mm. And one of the things that I thought was really fantastic of this, of how much of a dance it is, because we've heard a lot about the hormonal dance between mom and baby. And I found it fascinating to see that it's also a microbial dance, right, with mom's vaginal microbiome changing during the third trimester to to be you know to have the optimal bacteria there for baby because then that's going to create a, a, a and going to create an environment where a specific type of bacteria thrive that baby is going to need and that breast milk is going to feed <laughs> so it's, that go ahead go ahead you tell it's, it it's, I, yeah. No, no, you've done it beautifully. You've done it beautifully. But it's this progression. It's this amazing progression. So, during the sort of the during pregnancy, in, sort of in the third trimester, the the mother will have the mother in her vagina. The mother will have a a, a, a dominance of um, a specific type of lactic acid bacteria called lactobacilli, and this this lactic acid bacteria um, lowers the pH, so it crowds out pathogens. 
Um, and that's that's the type of bacteria that's going to be loaded within the birth canal. So as soon as the mother's, mother's waters break, the baby's going to acquire that lactic acid bacteria. And it's all of this is this is I mean, there's so many amazing things about this whole process. But the, the idea is all about progression. So you start off. So the, the baby. So the, so um, within the, the vagina, there's the dominance of lactobacillus um, bacterium um, and then uh, then the and that's connected to breast milk and so it breaks down all the um, the lactose um, but then the next wave of um, bacteria that's supposed to arrive is um, so the lactobacillus will use up all the oxygen and set the conditions for the next set of um, um, bacteria to arrive and so um, the mum's poo is likely unless she's taken antibiotics um, is likely to have um, bifidobacterium, which is the is the kind of the next the next kind of good bacteria, the good guys, um, and particularly one particular species, which is bifidobacterium longan subspecies infantis, um, and they're like the champion infant colonizers. They kind of um, they're the kind of the next wave, who, which will kind of multiply really quickly, um, eating the um, the special sugars which are in breast milk. Um, and then you've got bacteroides, which is another type of um, bacter bacteria, which is which is supposed to arrive next. And all of this is it's it's all about the right bacteria needs to arrive at the right time for the optimal training of the Im infant immune system. So the the baby's um, immune system is naive when the baby's born. It has to learn very quickly what's friend to be tolerated and what's foe to be attacked. And that's the job of the microbes. Or they, don't, they don't have a job. They don't know there's supposed to be a job, but that's how it happens. That's their kind of. That's how we've evolved for it to happen. So that these these microbes train the infant immune system. So it, so they tell the immune system, okay, that's that's a good guy. Tolerate him. That's that's a not so good guy. Let's see if we can attack him. And it all happens because of the progression of microbes that's supposed to happen within this narrow window that surrounds birth, and it only happens once in your life. And that's the most important. Well, I keep saying this is the most important thing. It's all important, but just, <laughs> but it's just this idea that you only have one chance for for immune training, one chance to set your baby's health for life. So, so to train your immune system optimally um, within this kind of narrow window that surrounds birth. So, so the first few weeks, straight months of of birth, um, as the as the microbiome develops, um, and that's it for life. Um, and so later on, um, if your if your baby's um, microbiome isn't, well, if your baby's immune system hasn't been optimally trained, they may have they may the, the immune system might respond haphazardly to well it might respond to things that aren't hazards and and you kind of get an allergic response because you you're treating something that that your immune system thinks is a hazard but isn't. So, so it's kind of, and everything from then on might be a little bit out of kilter. So it's one of the reasons why, um, I mean, I've, I kind of, I'll get onto C-section in a bit, but it's, it's one of the reasons this kind of um, altered microbiome with with C-section, um, and the, and this could cause or could be connected with um, the immune system not being trained optimally, and that's why C-section babies are more likely to have things like asthma, allergies, um, type 1 diabetes, celiac disease, and even um, might, are more likely to be obese later in life. Mm -hmm. And I really like there were a couple of things. Well, uh, yes, it is all very interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm geeking out here. But um, there were a couple of things that you mentioned, and I want to highlight the fact that there are in breast milk sugars that what's fascinating is that the baby's gut cannot digest. They're there not for the baby. They're there for that bacteria that's going to colonize the baby's gut and help, you know, train this immune system. So just that right there really brings into light the symbiosis and the importance that that it is a super organism that it is that it's not just us and the microbes is we are one with them and we feed seed and feed each other and make sure that the baby survives but also that the you know that the micro microbes thrive um it's amazing isn't it it's amazing that kind of something that within the 
you know, so within breast milk is something that, that the baby can't digest. So the ba- there's something the baby eats but can't digest it because it's not there for the baby. It's there for the baby's microbes and specifically the mother's microbes. So the mother's vaginal um, and gut microbes and the microbes are within breast milk. So they're there, you know, so these sugars and they're, I mean, I can get, I get super geeky now. So it's all about kind of um, messy eaters. So, so there's no kind of byproducts if, if the, um, the bacteria eat those special sugars, those human milk oligosaccharides. Um, and there, and so there's no byproducts and there's no kind of, you know, down, oh, I won't get too geeky, but anyway, so, uh, <laughs> But it is this. It is amazing. Just this. This is a process where there's something within breast milk which is indigestible, because it's supposed to be eaten by microbes. I mean, wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you mentioned very clearly that there is. Speci- it's important to understand the order that these microbes arrive, because having the lactobacillus be ones that that you know get rid of oxygen. And so then they create an optimal environment for the second wave of, of bacteria to come in that are anaerobic anaerobic bacteria so that they can't live where there is oxygen. So they create, they're, they're like one after another setting the stage for the next one, um, which kind of points also to a bit of epigenetics um, in terms of things happening to be in a sequence. And I know that we talked a little bit, you and I, before we started the show, that epigenetics is is a, a fascinating field that goes hand in hand with the with microbiomes, but not is something that there's not that inf- much information about, and it's a, such a young young field that it's hard to figure out what's what yet. But I mean, go ahead. I, yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you, you. Uh, so. Okay, so that's the thing. So the microbiome is kind of it takes a little bit to get your head around the idea that you're you're you know you're you've got trillions of human cells and you've got trillions of microbi- microbes within your body and they all interact together and they all make this perfect body work and to keep us healthy. And then you kind of take it to another level and you bring in epigenetics. And um, epigenetics is the idea that there's environmental triggers. There's things. That, that we come across in life, that things, events happen in life that, that us as humans are exposed to, and they um, switch on genes within us. So your underlying DNA doesn't change, your underlying genes doesn't change, don't change, but the expression of those genes, so whether a gene turns on or turns off, that's that's what happens throughout your life. And, and the scientists, so there's evidence right now um, that there's epigenetic change during pregnancy so things that so diet um stress uh exercise um what else could um exposure to toxins so if a pregnant mother um um is is exposed to those environmental triggers even temperature i think um so that can that can have produce epigenetic changes within the baby and there's also strong evidence about um, epigenetic changes in breast milk. So there's connections that so think something within breast milk switches on genes that that helps the baby's lifelong health. So scientists are now looking at the kind of the middle part. So you've got pregnancy and you've got breastfeeding. What about what happens in the middle? And there isn't much evidence yet. There's there's starting to be evidence, but it's it's all very 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 early days, that the mode of birth and um, medical interventions during birth, these could be environmental triggers that switch on or switch off the genes within the baby. So and those environmental triggers say could be a C-section. So because the baby doesn't is not exposed to the stresses pressures and hormone releases associated vaginal birth. The, because the baby doesn't come out through the vagina, instead the baby comes out through the sunroof, through the, um, the, kind of the abdomen, um, the baby might not be exposed, well, is likely not to be exposed to the same stresses, hormones, and pressures of vaginal birth, therefore may not have the same epigenetic triggers. And this, this could explain, I mean, so scientists don't know, they don't know causality. They don't know what causes what, but they but the 
the suggestion is, the hypothesis is, is that um, things, if if a baby is not born vaginally and breastfed, then this could this could affect the epigenetic changes within that baby, and there and that could affect the baby's lifelong health. So you've got, and it could be the microbes and the epigenetic and the genes work together. So they don't know. The scientists are still trying to work it out. I mean, there's some evidence for all of this stuff, as in as in the kind of connection between microbes and epigenetics. They know there is a connection, exactly what it is. That's what they don't quite know yet. Right, they're trying so to figure it, that out. So, so it's an exciting field, and it's fast advancing. But it's but it could explain so many things, as in why two twins, um, so who have the same, so if they're identical twins. Why one, why one? So if they are identical, why one twin might be big and large, uh, one twin might be lean. It could be the environmental triggers, or it could be the microbial exposures, or it could be a combination of of the two of them. So yes, it's a fascinating field. Mm, absolutely, and yeah. So it could be A or B or both, or who knows? But they're working on. But things are starting to point that there's something there that does cause some alterations. So I want to. We have to take a break right now. But when we come back, I want to talk a bit more about that mode of birth ma- that it matters and and what happens with a C-section and what happens if you don't breastfeed and is it end all? Like, what are there any things you can do to try to recreate um or straighten out or you know get that microbiome back into something closer to what it would have been if born vaginally so we will be right back as you have probably heard me say many times naturalbreastfeeding.com has a fantastic free video on how to get breastfeeding off to a great start but did you know that they also have a more in-depth course to help tackle all your breastfeeding concerns from newborn to baby and beyond the program includes videos of real mothers in real life situations so you can see what breastfeeding is actually like are you unsure of what to look for in a latch Nervous about engorgement or mastitis? Concerned with pumping? Learn simple and straightforward solutions to the most common issues so you can avoid potential problems like cracked or blistered nipples. Go check it out at naturalbreastfeeding.com where listeners to the Birthful podcast can now get a $50 discount off the regular price. That's an amazing deal. Click the program button at naturalbreastfeeding.com to find out more and get in on this fantastic offer. And we're back, and I'm talking to Tony Harmon about the microbiome and all sorts of fantastic. We're geeking out here with the um, how that process works within our bodies. So, Tony, about C-sections, cesarean births, what happens to a baby's microbiome when you have a baby born via C-section? Oh, I should, yeah, so C-sections are... Um, can be life-saving and uh, thank goodness we have we have them um, and in some parts of the world they're not available as much as they should and so so yes we have them and they um, they have saved millions of lives around the world at the same time um, there's so there's science is showing that uh, being born by a c-section could have consequences for the baby's lifelong health so if you imagine that um, with a C-section, because the baby is is brought out of the mother's abdomen and the baby doesn't pass all the way through the the um, birth canal, the the C-section baby is likely not is likely not to be exposed to the mother's uh, the full set of the mother's vaginal microbes, and is likely not to be exposed to the mother's fecal mo- microbes, so the the mother's poo, and is also likely not to um, be exposed to the stresses and pressures and hormone releases associated with um, vaginal birth. So all of those things means that um, the babies born by C-section could have an altered microbiome. So they start life with a different microbiome than babies born vaginally. Um, 
and it, and this could be important in terms of the the immune training so because the the baby born by c-section is not exposed to the same microbes in the same order um, as a vaginally born baby so the immune training doesn't quite work as it should um, and so this and so or, or so in terms of epigenetics it, so the this, the c-section baby doesn't expose the same stresses and hormones and pressures of vaginal birth so so again it could influence um, immune training so babies born by c-section are at increased risk of asthma allergies celiac disease um, type 1 diabetes um, more likely to be obese later in life um, but <laughs> there's, uh, there's, there's, it doesn't I mean, I, I say that, and so that's the kind. That's what the evidence is showing. That's what the the, the sort of science is showing that that there is there's um really strong epidemiological epidemiological data to show that that babies born by C-section are increased risk of immune related conditions. And that is to to sort of to review it quickly. It's because the microbes that get there first are not the ones that are expected to get there first and so the way they train the immune system is a little different and by the immune system not quite getting which what is friend and what is foe then you kind of start attacking yourself or you could and create inflammatory disease and anti-immune autoimmune uh, diseases which because you're not quite sure what you, you know what what is part of you and what is not that is beautifully explained so so the so, so the science suggests that the the a baby born by c-section is still has their microbiome seeded but the first microbes to to really um get to the to the baby's gut could, could are likely to come from the air of the operating theater so um, if, I mean, there's a difference between babies born by elective C-section and babies born by emergency C-section. So elective C-section, if you imagine the mother isn't in the neighbor, it could be, you know, 37 weeks, could be 38 weeks, could be 39 weeks. So the mother's even not even any sign of labor with elective C-section. Um, so the, the amniotic sac is, is is likely to be completely sort of sealed. So the baby may get some, there may be, there might, may get some prenatal exposures they don't know yet but maybe possibly they might get some prenatal exposures but the first main seeding event is when the the surgeons rip open the um, amniotic sac and that's when the 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 first microbes flood in and they're from the air of the operating theater um so that's with sort of elective cesarean with with say an emergency cesarean if the mother's water so this is kind of like if this happens in the thousands of so if the mother's waters have gone already and the mother is in labor and the baby is likely to have been exposed to um, some of the mother's vaginal microbes during the during the kind of labor after the waters have gone so the baby might still get exposure to the mother's vaginal microbes um, and then the baby's born so no matter what happens in with c-section mostly um, the baby is is taken away for checks for um, the while the mother is is sewed up, um, and the baby is tagged and what all the kind of procedures that normally happen in an operating theatre. Um, so you have the kind of initial sort of separation between mother and baby. This is kind of in traditional C-section scenarios, and so the baby's skin microbiome is not even being seeded with the mother's skin microbes. So the best thing is for immediate skin-to-skin -skin contact where possible. And then the establishment of breastfeeding, that could also be affected. And then you've got the impact as well. It's, it's not just the, the seeding with the air of the operating theatre. The mother's likely to be given antibiotics as well. And antibiotics are, um, you know, like bombs going off in your, in your microbiome. It, they kind of devastate bacteria. And so... Um, so the mother's microbiome is altered and in consequence, the baby's microbiome could all be altered. Um, so, okay, so that's the thing with, with C-section. It's, um, it's, it's kind of a complex procedure and, and it's, and it's life-saving and it's amazing. Um, but on a microscopic level, there, it's not 
great. Mm. Mm. Now, and one of the things that I found that was really interesting in the book uh, was that there has been research about, uh, you know, following babies that were born via C-section, but then, or cesarean birth, but then were breastfed exclusively for, say, three months, and that the microbiome at the for those babies at around a year was showing almost equal or similar um biomes as to you know it had kind of started correcting itself there there is some research i mean we interviewed um uh, professor anita kuzarinsky um from university of alberta in canada um and she was talking, she's talked to us about her research into exactly this, that they looked at the, um, the microbiome of babies at three months that had been um, breastfed and also then at a year. And her research seems, it indicates that um, after a year, those babies that have been born by C-section and breastfed, their micro, microbiomes kind of yeah, become more similar to vaginally born babies. Um, Which is exciting in terms it's, it's, of it's that's the thing. So, so, so. I mean, I, oh, I, mean, I wish this is what I want to shout from the rooftops. That if there was more support for exclusive breastfeeding um, for every single mother, whether born by C-section or whether um, a baby's born vaginally, so to have committed one-to-one support for every single mother to establish breastfeeding, because if the mother starts to breastfeed, you'll know this is a doula. If the mother can start to breastfeed, then she's more likely to be able to continue to breastfeed if she just has support um and and for everything within the kind of hospital setting or home setting for everything to to work around that would be amazing so um because yeah if 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 breastfeeding does have this power to potentially restore the microbiome or or to to make up for some of the 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 wouldn't say damage but the but the the altered microbiome that's related to to being born by C-section. If breastfeeding is this kind of magic thing, great. I mean, so, so there's that's the kind of the big message is like, yes, yeah, support for you know skin to skin contact, um, gentle cesarean, um, support for exclusive breastfeeding. And then there's also the um, research at the moment by um, Dr. Maria uh, Gloria Dominguez Bello into swab seeding. And so this is the technique where you um, a, a swab is incubated in inside the mother's vagina 60 minutes before surgery. Um, and then as the baby's born by C-section, the, the swab is taken out from the mother's vagina and then wiped over the baby's mouth and face and body. And the whole idea is to introduce the mother's vaginal bacteria to the baby. So this is a this is a this is not a recognised medical procedure yet. This is only research, and there's there's different risks, particularly if the mother has um, a pathogen within her, her vagina, then she would be introducing that to the baby. But the idea is that you introduce the bacteria the 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 baby would have received the vaginal bacteria the baby would have received, um, kind of through the swab, swab seeding technique. So it's not perfect, and it's and um, the it's only research and the research is indicating that this could partially restore the baby's microbiome. Yeah. Um, so, I, so it could be something for the future, potentially. Exactly. I can't wait for her research to be done and to get some answers because it looks very promising and it looks like it could be a very, a very easy to, a, 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 so a practice within cesarean births that could be very easy to be included with the importance that it carries um you know depending on like what the research and all the conditions but i i know that when the fir- when the film first came out and, and and she had some research online that was sort of giving very specific the steps to how to you know how she's conducting the research and 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 a lot of people ran with that, and I know that she had to sort of take it back and go like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! We're we're still studying this, guys. Don't like because it sounds so exciting, though. Of like, the, if if the messier and the gooier the better, then let's just cover that baby up in goo." 
I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it takes a long time for, you know, so for it takes a long time for research to be published, then it takes a long time for that research to be taken up by the medical professionals and other healthcare professionals. So it could be a few years yet before this is established, recognised, um, and the risks are all assessed and, and everything else. But in terms of, you know, I wouldn't advocate it because I think it's all, all about informed choice and it's it's for parents to decide what's right for them and what's right for their baby. But if I was to be pregnant again, if I needed to have a C-section, I would potentially, myself, not not saying anyone else should do this, but for myself, I might get a, a swipe of my vaginal juices and a swipe of my <laughs> I might do. Yeah, I might do because yeah. if I knew that my, you know, my microbiome was tested and tested negative for pathogens, then, then, uh, and I and I knew the risks, then it's possible. And so here in the U.S., we have a tricky situation. I know in the U.K. is a little different of how we deal with GBS with groups B strep positive moms in terms that the process here is if you test GBS positive during the, the end of your pregnancy, then you the the procedure is to give you two rounds of antibiotics before a baby is born to everybody and i know that in the uk it's a little bit more let's let's wait and see and not everybody gets the antibiotics right away and then babies are very well monitored and then you know antibiotics might be given but i would love for that to like do you have anybody I would love to have somebody come on the show and talk exclusively exclusively about GBS and, and antibiotics and all of that, because I think it's something that it's a, it becomes like a very normalized little test that we do and things just happen. And in the light of the importance of the microbiome, this could have really big consequences. I've had, um, whenever I do a, a Q&A, so it's a Q&A, a screening of our microbirth film, um, there's there's always six questions that get asked. And either, the first question is either about GBS or about water birth. <laughs> um, and uh, GBS is a really hot topic. I mean, it's, it is d different here in the UK in that we do this kind of risk assessed um, kind of way with with antibiotics so if a if a mother has certain kind of clinical conditions so that she has a high temperature or waters have gone or she had gbs before then um she'll be tested but not routinely tested um and whereas in the us you have the universal approach um there is somebody i spoke to uh, professor philip steer who is um uh, emeritus professor of obstetrics so he's an obstetrician and um, he used to write for BJOG, which is the British Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. He was the editor of it. So he's very kind of esteemed obstetrician here in the UK. Um, I was talking to him about research that's going on about GBS. And uh, so he might be a guest for you, a future guest. Uh, remind me and I can put you in, in contact. Oh, but, um, thank you. I'd love to talk to him. Yeah. So, um, I mean, GBS is a really difficult and, it, and it's a real sort of black it's not a black and white issue, it's a, it's a real grey thing because um, a quarter, say a quarter of all mums will test positive for GBS because it's a naturally occurring bacteria and it's um, most, you know, a lot of people, high percentage of people just have it within their microbiome anyway. And for most of the time, it doesn't do anything, it's absolutely fine. Um, and a, so a small percentage of that 20%, 25% could pass the GBS could pass the, onto their baby and the baby could develop a GBS related infection. So, and a small percentage of those, so you have a small, a sort of, you know, a quarter of mums are GBS positive, um, and then a small percentage of them will pass it to their baby, and a small percentage of those babies will get an infection, and a small percentage of those um, babies will get a serious infection. But it could be a really serious infection and the baby might die. So it's kind of one in 2,000, I think, within the UK anyway, I don't know about the States, um, of babies who get infected will die. And that's a very tragic thing. And so it's a very serious disease. And so doctors within their psyche is they want to prevent kind of the worst case scenario happening. And the worst case scenario happening, obviously, is a baby dying. Um, and so they will prescribe 
um, antibiotics. So in the US, two courses of antibiotics. And that has a devastating effect on the mother's microbiome. I'm, I'm sorry to say this. I know you, you had GBS and I know you had antibiotics, but it's this idea that that it does have a devastating effect on the mother's microbiome. Um, and it means that the mother's skin microbiome will be affected and the mother's breast milk will be affected by these both by the antibiotics. Yeah. But at the, same, <laughs> at the same time that that you then but your baby's protected from GBS. So it's a risk thing. So within the UK, yes, we have we have um, we don't test ordinarily, but at the same time, if so a mother might not know she's a G, she's carrying GBS and a mother might not know might be discharged from hospital and be left alone with a newborn baby and might not realize that her baby has a has a GBS infection and might not realize I was listening to a radio program the other day and it says something like 500 babies here in the UK die from GBS each year which is and a that, huge number exactly so that's the thing it's kind of like I I don't I don't know. I think it's a real, this is a kind of, you know, informed choice thing that, um, that right now, what Professor Steer was saying that there's research into a microbiome friendly way of dealing with GBS. And that could be developing um, uh, an antibiotic, a very narrow spectrum antibiotic that just kills off that pathogen. Hmm. So, yeah. And so, I've... And that's one of the things, sorry, because it's because that's specifically something that happened to me, right? Then I, I, I feel more connected to it. And I do want to like shout across the world that can we get more, can we shed a, a bigger light on this GBS thing? Because it can be very impactful. Um, and it seems to be something that just as a matter of fact happens and, you know, GBS and, and nobody, you know, I am glad and encouraged to hear that there's some deeper research going into this now. Well, that's what was quite scary to me, or just kind of quite shocking. So um, I mentioned this radio program, so it's a kind of daytime radio, program. I was working away and, and um, I just have the radio on. And it was saying that there's a, a call in the UK to, so that we become a, take on the US universal system approach to uh, GBS. So they're, they're, they're trying to get a petition to get every hospital doing universal screening and to give mothers, you know, all mothers who test positive, positive for GBS, um, two rounds of antibiotics. And I was thinking, gosh. <laughs> no, please no, know. right? <laughs> well, just kind of, you know, kind of, uh, there's got to be something else. There's got to be kind of a, a better way somewhere. And yeah. hopefully be within the next kind of year or two, hopefully. Um, I do hope so. I do hope so. One last thing I wanted to touch about uh, on upon quickly before I we're running out of time, but um, I, I didn't want to go without letting listeners know that the micro micro microbial profile is not quite completely set right away. That it takes about two to three years of life before it gets set. So. You know that. What implications does that have, and how important is breastfeeding then in terms of you know for those years? So the so the research seems to suggest that once a mother stops breastfeeding, that's when your microbiome starts to stabilize. So depending how long the mother breastfeeds for, that's the kind of that could be that could be the trigger point for when this microbiome stabilizes, and when the infant microbiome stabilizes, so somewhere between age one to three. Um, it kind of takes on the the profile of an adult, which means that, um, and it will stay that way all all the ba- all the child's life um, as an adult up until the kind of the I think the age seven sixties and seventies, and then it goes into sort of flux again. And so breastfeed, so so it's so I've I've got this bee in my bonnet. In fact, this is the subject of our next film we're making at the moment. We're just editing it. Um, is uh, what what can parents do and what can we all do to live a microbiome friendly life, particularly that critical window between birth and age two to three when the microbiome is in flux. So, yes, definitely breastfeeding for as long as possible. But also once once the baby's weaned. So it's exposure to nature. It's, um, you know, there's evidence about the benefits of getting a dog. So the microbial benefits of getting a dog. It's things like um, eating fermented foods, um, sauerkraut, kimchi, um, some yogurts, kefir. 
Um, I've got. I've turned myself in. I've turned our kitchen into a kefir and kimchi factory, which, which are delicious. Kind of, I know, but it's like you open the fridge and, it, and it's just sauerkraut, kefir, and kimchi, which is brilliant because it's all kind of homemade. homemade. Uh-huh. But it's but it's those sort of things. So fermented foods, um, high fiber foods is eating a diverse range of fruit and vegetables. So um, all these things you, that that doesn't cost anything, doesn't cost anything to make sauerkraut and kimchi and you know it's just vegetables vegetables and and salt salt. yeah (laughs) so that's the thing so it's those simple things and so exercise exposure to nature so to run around be dirty embrace dirt um for children to to i mean we've thrown away our antibacterial cleaners so but it's taken a sensible approach to antibacterial cleaners if i was handling raw chicken then maybe i would use it well, I'd throw them away, but I would if I had it in the house. Okay, that might be a, some might be an occasion when you use um, an antibacterial cleaner, but otherwise don't use them. Sensible approach to antibiotics. It's it's kind of when antibiotics are necessary. Absolutely, yes, life saving. But sometimes if they're not ne- necessary or there's an alternative, then perhaps that's 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 a good thing. Hmm. I love that. That's a perfect closing. And I'm also excited that we got a little sneak peek into your next film without knowing it. <laughs> without seeing it, yeah. Without, without paying to watch it, no. So it'll be out this summer. So um, uh, we haven't announced we haven't announced its title yet, so I can't tell you what it's going to be called. But um, uh, if anyone's uh, interested in finding out about our film, just go to microbirth.com. And uh, we're, we're creating, that's what we're creating at the moment. So we've got the book, we've got the film, we're doing these um, online courses at the, at the moment. We're creating, which launches in a couple of weeks. So it's all about spreading awareness, spreading just this this knowledge, this exciting, empowering knowledge that I want to go to every single expectant parent, every single healthcare professional, so that they know about this. Because yeah. it could impact a child's life and um, potentially could impact future generations. Indeed. Fantastic. So microbirth.com is the yep. best way to, to connect with you and, and, and see all the things that you guys are doing. Yeah. And uh, or buy the book, Your Baby's Microbiome, uh, available now on Amazon. Yes. Um, or, <laughs> um, and just, uh, just I mean, I, I'd love hearing from people. So if anybody's listening to this and want to get in touch, yeah, get in touch. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a message. There's a contact form on the microbirth.com site. So shoot me a message and um, I I usually reply, reply to everybody. I've, um, uh, I've, I've kind of, if an email comes in, I have to reply to it very quickly, else it gets, it kind of gets down my inbox. I get lost. Uh, yeah, then it gets lost. That's what happens with mine. <laughs> not my, not the email that I sent you. What happens when people send me emails? <laughs> I'm not clarify, clarify. But the book is fantastic. I, it's your baby's microbiome, and it is like a it, a more in depth look. If you've seen the film, get the book. And the book has, you know, kind of stuff that was left out of the film. And also it has QR codes after every chapter. So then you can use your phone to, you know, scan that QR code and then get extra video bits that from from that weren't included in the film. So I love that feature too, Tony. <laughs> I'm glad. Because I'm, 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 I had this idea. It's like, oh, yeah, let's make this book interactive. And uh, it hadn't been done, well, at least our publisher in the UK hadn't done it before. And so I'm really pleased that you like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like, you know, it's Easter eggs. It's it's special little extra fun that you can get if you want to go deeper and, and see somebody talking about it and get the experts, um, you know, from the mouth of the experts. So it's really great. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this today. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so And thank you for watching all my films. That's brilliant. (laughs) Mighty ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful. So come say hi. And if this show has significantly helped you out, then please consider becoming a supporting patron at patreon.com slash birthful. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Sabrisky. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. 
I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.